tight, shiny clothing seemed to match lean beanpoles physiques. Yep, there was the odd kid at school that was a little bit chubby, but most people looked normal or at least skinny. In my office at home, I have three panoramic photos of my favourite sporting ground in the world, the Sydney Cricket Ground. The shots span 75 years and were taken from the same position, the Paddington End, where the new Bradman stand is located right now. I've set up the three photos in chronological order, starting with Bradman's 1932 black and white image. One day, with my brain seemingly locked in neutral due to the 3pm chronic writer's block, I found myself transfixed by the panoramas. Now, here's why. Let me try to take you through it. Panorama number one, the Bodyline series of 1932. Looking like a racing for food greyhound, the great English fast bowler, Harold Larwood, is steaming in from the round weekend, about to let rip with a short-length thunderbolt at Ardon. Bradman is short with a wiry but enduring frame, and his captain and non-striking partner, Bill Wolfell, is right with him. The near-suffocating surrounding fieldsmen, pretty much the entire Pommy team, including English captain Douglas Jardine, all look like they've just arrived on the first fleet, prison camp lean and in need of a burger or two. Of the 50,000-strong crowd, all splendidly dressed in suits and hats, almost no one seems to be overweight by today's standards. Yep, I do get that it was in the middle of the Depression, but surely someone was eating excessive amounts of fat at the time. Let me take you to panorama number two, the start of Kerry Packer's World Series Cricket, 1977. This was also the first time cricket was played under lights. The iconic DK Lily, looking more like a champion thoroughbred, is pounding down the wicket like a machine. Chapel, Redpath and Pasco in their tight-fitting canary yellow outfits could all pass for 1,500-metre track runners or the chorus line of the ABBA tribute show. The crowd's collective choice of threads is beige, skin-tight T-shirts, stubby shorts exposing most of the thigh, and three plugger beer thongs. Again, almost no one in the crowd looks overweight. Peering more closely at the picture, I focus on the former and much-missed ill. Now, firstly, it's surprising with no beer limits back in those days that anyone is still standing, but they are, and we know they were drinking because I can see a 100-metre beer cup snakes all over the joint. And another thing that catches my eye is that 90% of the sponsorship logos around the ground are for cigarettes. Okay, now, Panorama 3, the SCG with the newly built Victor Trumper stand, 2007. Firstly, although I'm sure Victor was the cricketer of his generation, he did die in 1915. Yeah, I'm still a little upset that the Grounds Trust didn't retain the name of the stand that stood there originally. How could they possibly stop honouring one of my and many Australians' all-time legendary idols, the chain-smoking, beer-swilling, gambling-mad KD, Dougie Walter Stand? At the turn of this century, my idols were the larger-than-life characters like Merv Hughes, the 160-centimetre legend David Booney Boone, and Mark Tubby Taylor. I also have a soft spot for, of course, Greg Fat Cat Ritchie. Here's the bizarre bit. The players sport bigger frames, meaning that, like me, they're carrying around a few kegs more than the previous two generations. And the 2007 image clearly shows the average size of the crowd. Every second person looks overweight, including the kids. Many in the crowd can be seen drinking soft drinks, the same sports drinks their on-field heroes are endorsing, and fast food is abundantly alive and well. The historic ground is plastered with junk food advertising. The cigarette ad's now a distant memory. So what has happened? 
Well, if you think back to the 1980s, you might remember seeing TV ads, documentaries and magazine articles about what we were eating. And they all came with a simple message. Fat was the enemy. It was making us fat and sick. I remember in our house in the 80s, mum began to change her approach to feeding us. Unless the food was labelled low-fat, fat-free, low-calories and had a heart foundation tick, she simply wouldn't buy it. She bought the message that fat was the enemy and that was why there'd be an increase in obesity and heart disease. My love for pig and eggs was also dealt a savage blow. Although I didn't crave these really earthy foods or use them as a default when hungry, they certainly hit the spot, leaving me lean, mean, fat machine. Well, at least for a while. Now we were consuming buckets of low-fat cereal, new commercial brands seemed to pop up weekly, plugged by high-profile sportsmen and complete with action figures and footy